Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Comics Collective, the weekly podcast where we read and discuss a collection of comic books or a graphic novel. I'm your host, Dallas. I'm Alexis. And I'm Anne. And today we're joined by... Evan Von Doom, that's me. Oh my gosh, look at him. (laughs) So if you listened in on our Invincible coverage, which if you haven't, please go back and do so. Evan is our fourth chair for our extended reads. So something we like to do on the Comics Collective is when there is a comic book run that is too long for one episode, we break it up into a bunch of episodes so you all lose interest along the way. We love to see those numbers start big and just slowly taper off while we continue to enjoy ourselves. And so we're going to we're going to push that to the absolute max this year as we are covering Jonathan Hickman's Marvel saga all the way into October. So the whole thing. Ten. Wow. That was a good voice crack on my part. (laughs) I liked it. Damn. Puberty still hit me hard. My favorite thing is knowing you're still not going to edit it out. (laughs) No, that that stays, baby. This is literally, unless someone looks me in the eyes and like, can you please take that out? It it stays. It stays. There have been a few. There was one thing that I edited out that I was like, damn, I know that now. Jeez Louise. (laughs) (laughs) I said, and no one else knows that. Rut row. Um, But we are going to be covering first Jonathan Hickman's tenure on the Fantastic Four through April. And then we're going to be picking up his Avengers until October. And we will finish with a gigantic Secret Wars episode. So we hope you read along. If you do choose to read along, it's going to be pretty simple. We're basically reading one of the complete collections every time until we get to Secret Wars. So however you choose to read that, I think most of us read it on Marvel Unlimited. If you want to read along in omnibuses or complete collections, please do so. Um, we can probably tweet out that reading order as well, if you'd like. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll but, supply the list. Yeah. But maybe before I get into the patented Dallas spiel, <laughs> where I talk to you about where this comic came from, what it is, can we do like some initial reactions from you guys about... I know some of us, this is a reread. Some of us, like myself, this is a first read. So kind of what we thought of the issues we read before I deep dive. How did I not know this was a first read through for you? Man, I didn't know either. Look, me I, and Dawson hold I'm... hands on the ignorant boat together. Look Aww. at the tailors. <laughs> ignorant. <laughs> More ways than one. Thank you, Ignorant Utah. buffoons. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Anyway, Evan and I over here on the cool train. Um, this yeah. is the second time I've gone through this. Um, actually, through Hickman's Fantastic Four, this is probably the third time for me. And it's going to be the third time through Avengers 2. So I changed my answer completely. Um, it's, <laughs> it, I will say, though, it is my first time reading the Devil, not Devil's Reign. Dark Reign. Dark Reign um, <laughs> section. So I didn't even know that existed. Wasn't it good? <laughs> yes, it was. And also, plenty of panels I've seen plenty of times before but never knew where they came from. Um, shout out to that Captain America, Iron Woman couple living their best lives on Earth, like 78 or whatever. <laughs> Happy for them. Getting married Glad. in their work fits. <laughs> Getting married in their work fits. Um, <laughs> I can't. I can't. Um, that was that was something. It's... <laughs> I completely lost my train of thought. There's a lot that happens. It's 
the book that convinced me that Hickman is crazy, but somehow lucky enough to make this all work. And it's reading through it this time. And after having read through his Avengers, not a year or two ago, it's interesting seeing how his process has gone from how he sets up his story arcs and how he executes them. Because I feel like a lot narratively happens in the beginning of this where I remember it being more spread out before, but mm-hmm. you get the, um, the tease in this of like the four cities happening. And then instantly it's bingo, bango bongo. And just all four of them in the next issues. It's like, well, we set that up really fast. And I remembered it happening more spread out through the run. And I guess this is just a run that I remember feeling a lot longer than it actually is, which is crazy. Cause so much is going to happen. Um, my favorite parts of the run are going to happen in the next the next issue, but or the next section that we take care of. But this mm. is such a, a great little chunk. My favorite part about this is my favorite part that I had the first time I read through is just everything that Reed Richards goes through, um, specifically with the council, figuring out who he is. Hickman's Fantastic Four to me was always like Reed is front and center. This is his story. <clears throat> if you want to know what makes Reed Richards interesting as a person, this is the run you pick up. This is the one that shows you who he truly is. It's the one that'll make him, they'll endear him to you. It'll be the one that makes him feel like an interesting character. And it does it so well. And Hickman mixes in all of his really great Hickman-isms to it. Um, we haven't had that original character that's only white with maybe like black spots on him show up yet. He has one of those in every single book. But um, I'm sure we'll get there. Um, overall, I'm enjoying it just as much as I did the first time through. So I have no complaints over here. Do we want to break it up with a has read it, hasn't read it, has read it, hasn't read it? So does like Alexis want to go and then Evan maybe? Yes, I do want to go. I want my turn right now. (laughs) This was so good. No, Evan, shush. (laughs) It's my turn. I have my mic on now. Everybody be quiet. (laughs) Just kidding. Um, No, this was so good. I, first of all, disclaimer, I got an iPad, not for Christmas, just because I stole one during Christmas vacation from my parents. So kind of for Christmas, but game changer, game changer. I suddenly like reading comics. So (laughs) way different than when it's on your phone. I feel like I actually get to like look at the stuff because I can't read it very well on my phone. So I have to like zoom in. So I don't feel like I get to look at the pictures as well. But anyway. Loved it. This run was so fun. I really seriously love the Fantastic Four. I like dipped my toes in a little bit the last time that we had a run from them on the show. And I feel like this one, exactly how Anne put it, made me actually like Reed as a character. Because the first time I was kind of like, hmm, you're just another smart guy that likes to ignore his family. But I guess you're kind of fun. But this one, I feel like it kind of started out with him being that type of character like no I have to figure this out I'm a genius leave me alone to the point where he was like no I am the way I am because of my family and I really liked that little mini arc for him in there um and I feel like this is just the beginning of something so awesome and I'm so excited like this has just kicked off my excitement for the whole year so pretty hyped also cowgirl sue is very exciting Mm. love that little vest um yeah no thoughts about cowgirl sue for me um i don't even remember that issue to be honest um i feel like i could because she wasn't in space yeah probably that's a big issue (laughs) one flaw there is exactly one flaw here (laughs) 
But yeah, this is my second-ish read-through of it, I think. Um, I don't know, as a kid, I read through the Fantastic Four comics like multiple times, at least this era and the Wade era and some of the early era. So it's kind of hard to tell how many times I read this one. I definitely 100% misremembered it because I thought um, like the Masters of Doom story, that's the Mark Millar story, was the beginning of the Hickman run. So when we missed that, like when it started, I was like, hmm, when is, uh, when is the Masters of Doom come in? And I looked back and I was like, oh, that was literally the arc before this started. So I must have, there must have been like an omnibus like that I read that was connected or something. I don't know. But regardless of that, um, this is really why I love Hickman. Like Hickman is an amazing writer. And I know if you're, if you follow me on Twitter, you might think I'm a hater of Hickman because I don't love what he did with the Krakoa era. Um, but all my issues with Krakoa era are not present in his Fantastic Four, or his Avengers or his Secret Wars. Like he writes his characters so well. He really captures the histories of them and connects them really well. This is like a book that I'm I'm very curious how you guys feel about as new readers, or especially Lexi, who doesn't know a lot about Fantastic Four history and all this like shenanigans just thrown at you, like Inhumans and uh, Negative Zone and all that stuff. Because Hickman just like, like even New World is something that I'm not very familiar with. So when New World was just like throwing us and they're like, Banner Jr. is here. And I was like, uh, yeah, he exists. I can't tell you anything about him, but I know he exists. So... Um, Hickman really does care about continuity and like all the things. He's like the Morrison of Marvel in that kind of way, where Morrison really, they were very good at just making everything canon, even when it didn't work, and just like having fun with that. I think Hickman does something similar on the Marvel side of things in the in the grand way that like Morrison did, especially with like uh, their Batman run. So I love this run. I love what Hickman is doing with the family. Uh, it was cool that Sue got an actual like issue for herself finally which seems very rare um and she actually got to like be the hero of that issue so that was nice she also got like a big moment where she like cut a shipping like to parts which i thought was really sick um it was so cool and i was like hell yeah i screenshot that right away <laughs> um i also love that we're getting more val because she is like one of the low-key best characters in fantastic four very unfortunate she said the r word twice um yeah. That's another reason why I probably got the sure. yeah. <laughs> like another reason why I got the Millar arc and the Hickman arc mixed up so much because that's something Millar would do, but I don't. I didn't expect it from Hickman, but you know, when did that happen? I think that's not in uh, the omnibus I read. It's in the it birthday like, issue, really? for sure. Oh, Let it's in the Marvel Limited. Maybe yeah. I'm just a moron that didn't notice, With but like, so, wait, did they edit it? I think they edited it. <gasps> that's good. <laughs> No, in Marvel it's, Unlimited, though, it's uh, when she's saying uh, happy, happy birthday to Franklin. She's yeah. like, this happy birthday. They change, yes. it, they change it to dummy. Oh, good. Good job, Marvel. That was a jump scare for sure. I said, honestly. Yeah. I was like, whoa. I was like, Val, come on. And I totally forgot she Ooh. says it again. Then she says it again. And it's supposed to be like a weak moment. And I was yeah, like, like, Val, no. I'm like, Val, yeah. be quiet. Somebody like, smack Val. her. Holy shit. So coming from the girl whose first word was doom, I guess this checks out. But uh... <laughs> oh yeah, they because they, I saw you tweeted about those pages like Val, this isn't you. And then when I got to them, I was like, maybe oh. this is some like deeper meaning later in the story. Because like, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't click on your things. So I didn't want it to be spoiled. But I yeah. read it. I was mad confused why you didn't like those pages. And I was like, damn, I guess that comes back up. Maybe that wasn't really Franklin. Like, That's shoot, so funny because no, okay. I really was like. <gasps> yeah, totally. I have the newest printing of the omnibuses totally edited. Okay. I mean, yeah, that's good. 
So Good. shout out to Marvel. First word is doom. Uncommon Next Marvel word is slurs. It's yeah. <laughs> as long as they don't touch my touch my Frank uh, my Punisher Max books. I want all those uncensored original print. I want, I actually, I want it all dirty and grimy and gross. And, I want those know, all redone. There. New art from Scotty Young. Yeah. <laughs> <And> <laughs> it's, awesome. it's I hate Fairyland, but unironic. <laughs> they change the dialogue and Garth Ennis is in Tom Brevoort's closet the next day. <laughs> what did you do? What did you do? Oh, man. This was so much fun for me to read. I took December to not touch comic books like at all i just read a bunch of novels and took a little break while we took a break from the podcast so coming back in strength to fantastic four by jonathan hickman and dale eaglesham was such a breath of fresh air for me it was such a this is why you love this medium there are things that you don't get to do anywhere else and i adored it i had heard that this run was legendary and I kept not reading it because I was like I want to read it straight into Avengers straight into Secret Wars and I don't have the time to do that right now so I won't do it yet so they've sat on my shelf for like three four months since these omnibuses came out and that's what made me decide that this is something I want to do for the show this year and I'm so glad we're doing it this way because having having read the Avengers from Hickman and Secret Wars now coming back to the beginning of the story is incredibly fun. I think that Reed Richards and Sue Storm have never been stronger in any other comics I've read. I think a lot of Johnny's pretty one note and it's a good note. And Ben Grimm is someone that most people seem to get. And I even think he's like more of a main character in other runs, at least so far from what I've read here. Mm -hmm. But I, I've never seen a better Reed or a better Sue than this. And it really really made my heart sore. Um, kind of piggybacking on what Evan said about the the Doom arc from Millar and Hitch. Fun fact, that totally threw off the pacing of Hickman's run. Doom was going to be a much bigger deal sooner in Hickman's run. But then when that was the arc that Hitch and Millar decided to leave on, Hickman's like, all right, we'll reshuffle. We'll move Doom further back oh. in my run so it's not like doom doom yeah that um, but then again shout out to lexi where you might not know a ton of fantastic four that's actually exactly where jonathan hickman was when he was given the job for fantastic four so he had never been a fantastic four fan he'd never really read much Ooh. of them but it was tom brevoort that came to him and was like hey do you want to run the fantastic four i think you'd be great at it and so jonathan hickman went and speed read the last three years to make sure that he could yes and the stuff that had just come out and then he went and read all of the like must read epic collections he's like i read more fantastic four in three months than i'd ever read anything else <laughs> ever because the king. true because <laughs> dear listener if you didn't know this was jonathan hickman's second project at marvel comics so I'm going to transition a little bit into our what is it section where Dallas brings the facts. I want to talk to you about Dallas brings the facts. Thank you. The monologue. You um, <laughs> <woo>. So 
Following Jonathan Hickman's success on his creator-owned comic book, Nightly News at Image Comics, and a a subsequent break from Brian Michael Bendis, who saw that work and loved it, Jonathan Hickman was brought into Marvel Comics with the title Secret Warriors, which very quickly led to a miniseries, S.H.I.E.L.D., that got critical success, and then eventually Fantastic Four dovetailed at the same time as Secret Warriors. So... Just boom, boom, boom. Within like a year and a half span, Jonathan Hickman went from not writing comic books to writing Fantastic Four at Marvel. There's a kind of charming anecdote where he said, as soon as Nightly News got approved to be published at Image Comics, I quit my day job and was like, all right, sink or swim. You have to be good at comics. He's like, and so I wrote down a five-year plan. And by a year and a half, I had done everything on that list. And so I had to reevaluate my five-year plan. (laughs) And... I think you can just feel it in these comics that Jonathan Hickman has a way of writing things that people want to be a part of. I have always said that comic books needs a strong marketing team. Like that's somehow I don't know how we are the biggest movies in the world and we can't figure out how to people make people care about the books. But the one person who knows how to sell comics in the modern era is Jonathan Hickman. And believe it or not, dear listener, What Jonathan Hickman did until his adult life, where he decided to switch and become a comics creator, he was a marketing executive. So he literally was a marketer, and that is why he's so good at making you want to buy his comic books. And I think that rules. But Hickman recounted that he got a random email from editor Tom Brevoort saying, Hey, I'm not promising you anything, but Malar and Hitch are coming off of FF sometime next year, and I think you could bring a lot to the book. Would you be interested? So Hickman said the specific reasons Tom wanted me to do it was because he thought that I had a unique voice and was a long range planner. Revort wanted to see what I would come up with. So I prepared a pitch document for him and it was pretty well received. Hickman specifically said that when I was writing that document, I knew I was onto something. I just kind of got it. Now I feel very excited about doing it. So his primary task with that pitch document was to revitalize the stagnant book because while Millar and Hitch were superstars with stuff like the ultimates and the authority for Hitch, their fantastic four had not had the same success with people. So Hickman says, we're kind of building towards a big fantastic four story like that. And it's really a story told in three parts. All of the stuff that I'm laying out there right now, And this is from an interview right at the beginning of his run. All these seemingly random plot points and characters are structured so that we have a story about the world of the Fantastic Four, a story about the Fantastic Four in the Marvel Universe, and then a Marvel Universe story that is Fantastic Four centric. Spoilers, that became Secret Wars. So this was successful enough that what would have been the third arc of Fantastic Four gets shot seven years down the run to really bring it all in, which makes our reading assignment very exciting. Um, it's structured to make the Fantastic Four relevant again. Whether we succeed in doing that is up to the readers and up to me and up to Steve Apting, who was the the person that was going to be at the beginning, but then ended up being Dale Eaglesham. We'll get into that. This run would find massive success with readers and Marvel editorial, opening the door for Hickman to continue his story into an Avengers and new Avengers title that would climax in Secret Wars. This long-form storytelling was something that was a priority with Hickman from the beginning. 
Hickman said, I'm planning pretty far in advance. I have a pretty good grasp on what's going to hit when. Writing ahead isn't really that big of a deal. It's really more of a workload thing. It's something that you don't know before you get the gigs, but once you get the gigs, it's something that you have to manage properly, and I'm finally getting to where I'm on top of it. That's one of the benefits of how I work, because when I come onto a book, my pitch usually isn't one story or one issue or one arc. I'm usually elaborate. Uh, I usually elaborate multiple arcs. It's one story I want to tell, but spreading it over 30 issues or something like that. To prepare for writing the Fantastic Four, like I said earlier, Hickman read as much of the Fantastic Four as he could get his hands on. And from there, he learned that one of the things that became pretty clear to him was that Ultimate Fantastic Four, the title, had become a big impact on regular Fantastic Four. Fantastic Four is about fantastic adventures and the family, but when Ultimate FF was launched and Warren Ellis took over the book, it kind of turned into a science explorers type of book. And Hickman noticed the propensity for a number of writers to try and turn Fantastic Four into a sort of an I figured out this very cool scientific story type of book. And he figured that the series had lost a little bit of its heart. So what he wanted to do was shift out of the Warren Ellis approach of science explorers that are there to teach you about cutting edge modern science wow, and into a more family centric book that goes on adventures. Obviously, they're always explorers of the unknown, but there is a heart at the center of the Fantastic Four. So I guess my question coming out of the what is it section is how effective do you think that first arc was at reinstating and centralizing the heart of the Fantastic Four? I thought very good. I would say, excluding Dark Reign, because I think Dark Reign was very much a who is Reed Richards story, first and foremost, because you're coming off of like, you had, you know, Civil War, Illuminati, Secret Evasion, and now we're in Dark Reign. So it was kind of like, and the, the Dark Reign Fantastic Four addresses this directly, that Reed Richards kind of uh, wasn't the most beautiful light. War crimes. Him. War crimes. Yeah. You could say war crimes were happening. Uh, he was like the beast of uh, that era, if you will. So, um, so Dark Reign for me is really the turning point of being like, all right, who is Reed Richards actually? And that's the turning point of, He's not a bad guy. He's not the person you think he is. He's actually this character in this book. And so I would say that's what Dark Reign is. So, But in terms of that interview and going back to the explorer route and family heart of it, I think I think Hickman nails it for the most part. I think right now we're still in a lot of, oh, random adventure. We're doing space exploring stuff, heart of the story. But also, um, this is it does feel like to me set up. Maybe it's because I know where it's going or that it's leading somewhere but a lot of the stuff does feel like more oh yeah this was just set up like even the new world stuff where they're like oh we're going on vacation oh something happened in new world that's very science explorer stuff but then at the end you're like there wasn't really a resolution so much as they just made it home and now new world is still doomed so mm-hmm. that's not necessarily a bad thing at all but it does live that lingering feeling of well what's next so it's kind of cool, especially if they never pick that up again, that would have been interesting because then you're kind of just left with that feeling of I'm carrying the venture forward in my mind or whatever, uh, which is just a different type of storytelling, which isn't a problem at all. But knowing it leads somewhere, I do think it takes a little bit away from that, oh, plop in, this is what it's about. Because I it, like I don't think that's actually totally true. I think it is leading to like this bigger, like you are saying, war, like 
exploration of the Fantastic Four world and its environment. So I think it could have been done a little bit better if it was maybe cleaner chops at the end of each issue, if they want to do standalone stories like that. But they want to build up to something bigger. So I think it works perfectly the way it is. But I just didn't get that exact feeling or as perfectly as it could have been, I suppose. It's it's one of those things for Hickman with me where it's like you have to be ready to get on a ride and the ride goes very, very quickly and it's hard to get off without feeling like you didn't see the whole thing. Since we're stopping just, you know, like a part of the way into the story, there's so many little threads that are just like, okay, well, we introduced this, but where does it go? We have no idea yet. And we probably won't know for, you know, anywhere from one issue to 12. It's just one of those, it's just how he sets up his stories. And it's one of, I'm, I'm a, I'm a Hickman fan. I'm not the biggest Hickman fan out there, but it's one of those things where it's like, if you're not completely invested in what he's doing, I could see that being something that might turn you off to some of his works because if you're not willing to stick it out for the big picture at the end it's i can easily see how one or two of these issues might completely lose you like the new world issue for me even though this is like the second or third time i've read it it's still 90 percent gobbledygook to me <laughs> where i'm like i don't know who any of you are i don't i don't know where we're at right now things are happening and we're gone okay cool that was that wasn't that was a comic that i read with my eyes and that's about where i end <laughs> I agree because I feel like for me, of course, first time going through all of this, um, there were moments where I was like, oh, did I like skip one? Did something happen? Like I remember like with the New World arc, I <laughs> like started reading it and I was like, well, wait, weren't they supposed to be on vacation? I was like, where's that? Can I just see Ben in a swimsuit <laughs> on the side of a pool, please, for a minute? And then this happens. Uh, I was like, well. Obviously, nobody's very happy about what's happening right now. But um, I had to tell myself, I was like, well, this is what I'm supposed to be reading. So I just kept going. But I had moments where I was like, "Mm, do I actually know what I'm doing? (laughs) But no, honestly, once I started to like figure out that that was just the vibe for a couple of the issues, it made a lot more sense for me. I feel like not to just... I feel like Hickman has two types of issues when he's telling stories and he dedicates the entire issue to that one specific point. He has his character issues and he has his, his setup issues where I feel like the stories like new world and the, um, the high evolutionary story with that, the first city, I feel like those are there primarily to set things up. Not a lot of character work happens. Um, They're just kind of along for the ride. We get to see an environment, a place. It's just almost entirely comic exposition in the way that's just, this is something that's happening. You should be aware of it. Keep it in mind. We'll get there eventually. But then there's other parts where he really, really focuses heavily on the characters. Like there's the, of course, the climax to the Reed Richards story. And I think that is some of the best character work that Hickman has ever done. Um, and then later we get Sue's big moment. And even later than the line, we're going to get some really big stuff for um, The Thing and Johnny, which I'm excited for. It's just, it's you have to be able to switch on and off between those two issues as you're reading through. It's like that for this, it's like it for his Avengers books and it's like it for his X-Men books. And it's just, it's interesting because I feel like a lot of other writers mingle those together in every single issue, but Hickman definitely like picks and chooses his battles where he's like, okay, this issue specifically for this purpose. And then we'll get to the other stuff when we get there. Yeah. 
like the biggest credit I give to Hickman um, is that he is a master of patience. He has such good pacing mm -hmm. for pretty much all of his works. He just takes his time. He says, we need to tell this now. Let's do it. And it gets done. So I would never discredit him for that ever. Um, but yeah, sometimes his characters do suffer for that. I see a lot more in the Krakoa era where his X-Men book was literally just every issue is like, here's what's coming up. Here's what's coming up. And all the characters are just mm -hmm. very bland, straight face. That was just my takeaway. I know a lot of people like disagree with that. That's also fine. But compared to this, I think it's like night and day where there you have like, we're setting up a bunch of stuff. And then Fantastic Four, it's, we're setting up a bunch of stuff, but it is important how it connects to the character in the world that's larger than that. So I do think there's a lot mm -hmm. of character work and you still see a lot of personality from the characters, which helps carry carry me at least through those stories. It's like New World, they know what's going on, but you had Johnny there, you had The Thing, Val, Franklin. There's a lot of moments of being like, oh, we're learning about these characters. Oh, Val is smarter than Reed now and it's just hiding it. Okay, these are interesting points that we're learning. We're learning about, uh, or like when Franklin stands up to Norman uh, Osborn and shoots him, you're like, oh, we're seeing like <laughs> something's happening with his power and also like who he is as a person. So we get a lot of these character beats. So I think those are what carry it through as we're learning like what's basically Hickman going like, here's a flash course of all the things we're going to be going over and all the things I learned in the last three months, apparently. <laughs> Yeah, so it's interesting to hear Anne call that out because that's something specifically that Hickman said he was going to do in this run. He specifically said, I'm going to have character issues, I'm going to have setup issues. And he said, I think some people won't like that I'm just telling one 500-page story and we're just kind of giving it to you 20 pages at a time, whereas other people have a bunch of single issues or a bunch of arcs that lead into things. He's like, but no, this is just, you're going to get a chapter of setup because that's what comes next in the Hickman Fantastic Four novel. And I think that that's a really rewarding approach, but it's an approach that in single issues doesn't always sing. And I think you can mm -hmm. also see, and I might tap Alexis to comment on this as well, where we've read House of X and Powers of 10, and now we've read Fantastic Four. And you can see what 15 years of writing did to that person, where House of X and Powers of 10 is absolutely a setup miniseries, but it never feels that way you read that and your mind is just exploding and expanding at a rate that you don't even have time to think like have we had any deep character work for anyone other than moira and the answer is no but everything's so interesting that you can't even stop to think about it and i think you can see the seeds of that here in fantastic four and it's interesting as well in interviews to hear hickman talk about like i can do better than this he's like he keeps being like I feel like my ideas are bigger than my talent right now. And I'm just going to keep working until my talent catches up with like what I got going on in my brain. And it's, it's satisfying to see that he did actually do that. You know, he did actually pull it off. And I don't know. It makes me look at, sorry to keep going back to Krakoa, but it's what's going on right now. But it makes that third year of Krakoa very interesting where during the pandemic, those books really ground down to a halt. And realizing like how tightly plotted and story driven Jonathan Hickman's approach is to see him decide to keep people employed writing fluff to me is like a very admirable thing. Like the books, they suffered like it, it wasn't a great year for those X-Men books. But in hindsight, to see someone who very clearly can do this on their own, deciding like, no. People are more important than my stories is something that I will always applaud Jonathan Hickman for. Um, 
I do wish, though, that I'd just gotten a three-year run on X-Men from him. I didn't have to have all this other nonsense, but... Alas, let's go back to Fantastic Four. Um, I loved the arc with the bridge and the Council of Reeds, and I feel like that's like, the most... I, I think you mean the Council of Ricks. Thank the you. Council I of Ricks. Was say, is this Rick and Morty? Oh. Is this the Citadel? The Citadel of Ricks. Well, this came first, so... Yes, it did. Ooh. Shout out, Reed. So it's like I never like read anything in the interview, but I'm like, is one of them like Justin Roiland or what? Dan Harmon? I need to know if one of them reads comics. I'm like, this, this, that was if this is that reference. I get it, mm-hmm. but I thought it was so fun. It was fun, especially juxtaposing the Wade Weringo stuff that we read, mm-hmm. where it really wanted to dive into Reed's mind becoming bigger than the family and the fallout of that. And I think that how it was handled and how quickly the character decided like, no, actually this is not who I am is very interesting. I have a question for you guys. What was your takeaway from that arc for Reed? Like, what do you think Reed, what was Reed's arc? Like, what did he learn from that? I think he decided that he'd rather have his family than the answers to everything. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. That was my takeaway too, but I oh I can't remember who said it. One of our friends said that they read it and their takeaway was that uh family was the solution to everything. Which was something I didn't consider. Oh. But I just wanted to know if anyone else thought that way. But now that once they said that, I was like, that also is a very good takeaway. I still think I stick with the takeaway that for this particular arc, right now in the story, Reed's Reed is saying, I am going to give up the solution to everything in order to, you know have my family because they are what matter to me at the end of the day so even though it's hard it's what i have to do and want to do so because they are who i am but i think it also could be maybe a bigger arc so i'm, I'm trying starting to pay more attention to it going forward now but uh i just thought that was an interesting takeaway yeah something specifically on the art front that i liked a lot was the returning of the image of sue in the bed without reed You know, every time he Mm -hmm. was off using the bridge, every time he was off being selfish, you could see the real world impact of that, right? You could see it wearing on their relationship in a way that other Fantastic Four comics talk about, but they don't always show. Like you, you get to see Sue going through life alone and you get to see that it so clearly bothers her, but she's trying to love the person she loves for who he is instead of who she wants him to be. Mm. And... I also, I promise this sounds a little crass, but like it hit me pretty hard. I was like, the dude's off playing with himself, literally. <laughs> like he's just <laughs> hanging out with other reeds. He's just, and like it is impacting their relationship. And as someone who thinks a lot about my relationship and how to be the kind of partner I want to be, it's it's a pretty instructive storyline. Yeah, like, you don't, don't masturbate. Yeah. That's that's the instruction. (laughs) (laughs) Um like you you don't have to lose who you are, but you do have to be conscious of the person that you're with. Mm. And their their needs are ultimately as important as yours. And I just I thought that that was cool and accomplishes well what Hickman talked about with taking the exploration and science of the Fantastic Four and then distilling it down to a lesson about family and relationships. Like the bridge is very cool, but the heart of that story is the relationship of Sue and Reed. 
Not to keep comparing Hickman and Morrison, but it just reminds me again of that Morrison quote about Superman, where they said that Superman stories are just stories about us. You know, we take our dog uh, on a walk around the block. Superman takes uh, crypto around the sun or the universe, whatever. It's just the same stories just blown up. So Fantastic Four stories should be stories that we can also see ourselves in or someone we know in. And it's just blown up. So, you know, Reed's off playing with himself uh, on our level, but he's actually playing with, you know, multiple versions of himself. So I think that's, so I, I guess Hickman did succeed in like really bringing the family out of the Fantastic Four. Something I want to touch on, and then I promise I'll shut up for a second, is <laughs> Dale Eaglesham's redesign of Reed Richards. Uh, specifically, the quote that he says, he says, I do feel I will take a more heroic approach with the characters, though. I feel Reed is going to become more intimidating and forceful and less the nerdy professor. I want villains to be afraid of him physically as well as of his mind. That is not to say I want to wash the humor or any goofiness out of Reed or his relationship. Far from it. I want to maintain that, but add to it the imposing presence of a brilliant scientist and powerful superhero. And like one of the first things I noticed with those short sleeved Fantastic Four uniforms, like Reed's got some guns. I was like, he... The thought that I kept having was that he looks like Tom Strong or like Doc Savage. He looks like that classic golden age science hero that Superman was based on. Like, and so then to pull Reed and say Reed is Doc Savage, I think ties in well to what Evan was saying that this kind of has a Superman feel to it. Like Reed is the Renaissance man that can pull anything off and lives life on a larger scale than the rest of us. And I think that is a very interesting and cool approach to the character of Reed Richards that I would have never thought of, but seeing it here on the page makes so much sense to me. The end. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was just going to say, I feel like the first moment, because I didn't know that. I didn't know that, of course. But the first moment where I saw Reed as like, oh, you're also a superhero was when he was, he went after that clone guy. The, what is it? He called the magician or whatever. I don't know. Oh, Whoever yeah. The wizard. Oh, the wizard. wizard. Yes. Bentley. When he like wrapped him up and was just like, okay, we're going. I was like, oh, I forget that you have powers. <laughs> like, I forget that you're the stretchy guy. <laughs> so I for sure could see that throughout this run. He, just, he felt very heroic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And speaking, imposing all the other versions of him from the, the council, <laughs> they, they honestly, they scared the shit out of me more than they feel like heroes. Mm-hmm. When three guys stand up in front of you, one of them has like his heavy metal death beard and they're all holding infinity gauntlets. Gauntlets. You're just like, oh, okay. <laughs> I... You're, you have a face that I trust, but I don't trust anything else about you. I do. Which, I by the way, that's the most metal thing is just to show up and flex your infinity gauntlet on someone. Yeah, it doesn't even work there. There's like, yeah, we just have it. You'll check it out. <laughs> it's like, what am I going to do? Leave this at home? No, I don't no. care that it doesn't work. I'm wearing it. <laughs> Look at these that's, gems. That's one of my favorite infinity gauntlet things is just... Just it being completely useless outside of its own universe. Because mm-hmm. during one of the um, DC Marvel crossovers, Darkseid gets his hands on it. He's like, what the fuck is this? And he like, picks up. He's like, this is worthless. And just ch- chucks it in the <laughs> bin. <laughs> it's like, garbage. Get me that math problem. <laughs> he's like, why does not equal MX plus B here? No! <laughs> 
Meanwhile, Thanos is staring at a chalkboard. And he's like, I don't know what this is. I don't know he's what I'm like, looking at. The racing guy. He's like, oh, I need space for my other plans. I get the Infinity Gauntlet. <laughs> he just draws a heart. This is Thanos plus death. Yeah. <laughs> he draws that painting from Titanic, except it's just a skull for the head. It's like, oh, my my precious. My my bay. Um, something else that I really liked from Eaglesham, from the art perspective that I liked watching reading through this i was like man this is a lot of kirby homage and so then i went to go look up if that was something that was intentional and i like so speaking a little bit more about other characters than reed eaglesham says johnny the man of action the adventurer the risk taker and absolute warrior he likes to have fun but don't be fooled by that he is a real cert lancelot Ben, the lovable curmudgeon, is the kind of character I love to work with. Honest and direct, he gets to say what everyone else is only thinking, and he does it without any malice, unless you happen to be Doctor Doom or a zombie from the negative <laughs> zone. He should be in politics. Imagine the fireworks, Eaglesham okay. said. I intend to put a bit of steel into Reed and Sue and make them more formidable superheroes, but it won't affect the warm- their warmth as people. Valeria is a strange little creature, a toddling two-year-old, but possessing incredible intelligence. The possibilities for visual incongruity are endless. I see Franklin as a quiet kid, not quite brooding, but with a shadow inquisitive seriousness about him. I intend to homage and do Jack Kirby, but I would also like to bring my own heroic edge to it. And so I thought it was interesting to see how much... Dale Eaglesham was allowed to, I guess, shape the atmosphere of this book. Again, mm-hmm. I, th- I feel like reading this for me, I really benefited from taking that break from comics and reading none of them for a month because I got to see how you have to build atmosphere and build characters in prose in ways that these writers cannot do in comic books. Like, it doesn't matter what Jonathan Hickman wants to say about Reed's character, if Dale Eaglesham doesn't draw Reed as that more heroic, as that more strong, super heroic version of him, it's not going to be the same way as if he draws him a completely different way. Like, Mm. there are subtle bits of storytelling that come through only because Dale Eaglesham has a specific image for each of those people. Reading that he has a distinct kind of personality he wants to bring through was really enlightening to me because it's like, yeah, that is what comes through on the page. And I didn't even realize it was, it was how you draw Sue that made her feel so much more powerful and impactful on the page. Like she felt like a part of this superhero team because you chose to draw her, like you said, with a little more steel in her than Mm. other artists. And so, I mean, it's very clear this is the Hickman show that we're going to be doing for 10 months here. But I wanted to make sure that we touched on how much Dale Eaglesham did to make this a successful run of the Fantastic Four as well. Absolutely. And it's like not to not to bash on Neil Edwards, but you can feel it when Eaglesham isn't there. It's a it feels like a different book. Yup. That's all I'll say about Neil Adams. Good, good, <laughs> good idea. <sighs> um, yeah. What was okay? So the read arc, everyone, everyone loved. What was your favorite of like the the little adventures that came after that? Which was your 
Hell, which is your favorite city that we saw after that? Yo, the Mole Man city was dope. <laughs> I love I Mole like... Man. Every time he shows up with a Kirby monster, I'm like, hell yeah. Go that off. That was, um, I didn't think he had that level of like, um, <laughs> just flair because he's like i'm gonna send up these three little mole dudes one of them's gonna get decapitated and the the severed head's gonna say make way (laughs) (laughs) he's coming through the floor and then he's ta-da i'm here i'm the mole man respect me i love there's a classic story i think it's a kirby story but i could be wrong where mole man finds like a vat that turns you what it really does is it like shows the outside world, what you are on the inside. But because an ugly woman falls in it and comes out beautiful, he thinks it's like an opposite machine. (laughs) And so he's like, I will jump into it. And then he comes out a real life little mole. And it's like, (laughs) it's a very funny issue. But since then, I've loved him for being like, ah, my opposite. He tries to send all the Fantastic Four through it. And he's just got all these monsters. I was like, how'd you find this vat of opposite juice? Explain it to me, mole man. (laughs) But he was just so baffled. And I remember Sue trying to explain to Reed and the other boys like, no, can't you see? It shows her inner beauty. And all of them in the 1960s male way are like, that can't be it. There's no such <laughs> thing as inner beauty. It's an opposite machine. You silly woman. You're crazy. You're crazy for that. It's clearly an opposite machine. She yeah. was ugly before. <laughs> I don't know how he turned back from being a mole, but I'm glad he did. Because now he has a giant it's... tongue monster with no eyeballs. Yeah, that was gross. Continuity error. Crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Comics are crazy sometimes. 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 Sometimes they're completely normal. Like when Spider-Man shows up to your birthday party. Yeah. That was so funny. Oh, my. I love how much Johnny hates Spider-Man. I feel very seen by that. (laughs) Also, this is like really... I think he hates him because of Civil War, right? Like Because he doesn't remember who Peter Parker is, right? Because he I, knew he, Peter Parker's identity back in like the 80s or 90s. Because they he, used to be like best friends. Like all he the he revealed himself at some point. But I don't he, know if it's no, before this or Peter only re, uh, revealed himself like recently. They don't no, no, know. He, this is Mephisto shenanigans. This, this, is what post, this is post Brand New Day. No, that's what so, I was saying. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but he does come back out to the Fantastic Four at some point. Because I remember that issue. Yeah, he does. But I thought that was like. After this, around the slot era, maybe after. Out well, or maybe it was I don't know. That's a good. Well, question. to be fair, this would be around the slot era. That's true. That's a good point. Actually, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But you know, I I don't read Spider Man. I real I read real characters, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> so true, bestie. <laughs> new year, new hater energy. Let's go. Oh yeah, happy new year, everyone. <laughs> I just love all the broad jaw Jack Kirby faces in this book. Like, I know Dale Gilstrom said he was going to do Kirby, but like, I loved it. Every single page, I was like, wow, look at that Kirby face. Wow. Everyone's got square (laughs) heads. I love it. Even Sue's got a broad jaw. Shout out her. Look at this. Thank you, Jack Kirby. (laughs) The short sleeve fits rule. They do. Those outfits go hard. With the gloves? You know extra hard. Sue's hmm. cape. I don't know how she calls Namor. Love that. She's like, hey, help me with these stupid fish people. Yo, Namor what's up? Respond. 
He's like, unless you're calling the bang, I'm not interested. Oh, Jesus. Oh, excuse me, Lexi. She had a lot to that. say. Sorry, folks. <laughs> Someone really likes Namor. She's his number one shooter. In other news, Inhumans from space, some of them horses. Oh, yeah, that was weird. The the space in humans never never not get me in just how in terms of how bizarre they are. It's the I look, I'm an inhuman shooter. I love the inhumans so much. Mm. Everything that happens from them from here on out is weird shit to me. Um <laughs> Black Bull just being like, yo, listen, we need to we need to um unite. So I'm gonna have six wives now. Um no one's got a problem with that, right? Medusa, you good? Everyone's chill? Awesome. Everyone's Thank chill. you. Um, <laughs> Black Bolt's like, if anyone objects, say I now. And since I can't speak, everything's good. Perfect. <laughs> that's that's it. And <laughs> I don't know. I just it's 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 strange. And I don't feel like it ever gets enough attention. If Hickman was anywhere, I would put him on the inhumans because I feel like he's got the the weird for it, the sci-fi for it. But Getting them in the little bits here, it's just I don't think I don't think it does them justice. No. They're definitely weirdos and he definitely gets into that a little bit, but I think if given the chance and just let him like play with that world, he could build something in the same way that like I thought Kieran Gillen did a great job of like redefining what the Eternals are, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um I do think that Hickman could do that for humans. Uh also he would have been a very good choice for the Eternals too, if there was an alternate choice, but and also, Gillen would have done good with the humans. They're both great writers. Let them do whatever they want that's not Spider-Man. I agree, not Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, I am so curious what Hickman is working on right now. Yeah, that dude. Sandman in the Marvel Universe thing say, yeah. he's doing with Valerio Skeety. Like, the hell <laughs> is all awesome. that about? Give it to me right oh, now. No. They've been <laughs> working on it for it. like three years. Damn. I'm sure it's nothing. Yeah, we'll never see yeah. it. Never. So when it comes to Hickman and world building, we touched on Mm -hmm. it at the beginning of this episode that sometimes it can feel a little incongruous. And so I know you two know where these are going, but Alexis and I Mm -hmm. don't. What Mm -hmm. concept are we most excited to see play out? So we've got the Annihilation Wave that you'll remember, Alex, from when we read Annihilation. They're back in the skin of a hot lady. That was hilarious, by the way. We have all four of the cities. We had a dead Galactus just like buried somewhere. I don't know if that was just like a nod to another story or if that's going to go somewhere. That blew my mind. And Doom has not had screen time yet, but like I know he's coming. And so I just I want to know what concept are we most excited to see play out? Doom. (laughs) Um... He's the goat. He's so cool. I feel like I'm excited to see baby Val as a character because I've Mm -hmm. only known Val as an infant that said the word doom. That's all I knew from that character. And so now that she is a tiny genius that's smarter than her dad, I'm very intrigued by that. So, Yeah, Yeah. Lex, what did you think of the kids? This is your first time with a long time with them. I thought they were fun. I... (laughs) Love Mini, Johnny, and Reed. That was great. Very fun. Um, they're just... <laughs> and when he's under the sheets making a universe, I was like, oh, that's a little out of character. 
<laughs> I'm not sure. Did either of you, because um, I know you read it on Marvel. Did you read it on Marvel, Evan? Yes. Did you read through any of the um, the letters to the editor stuff at the end? I don't read Hickman, <laughs> Hickman would do a fun thing each time. I only noticed because I just randomly glanced at one of the pages. I noticed there were little lines that were colored. And I'm like, what are the colors for? And he has little parts where he talks to, to Val and Franklin at the end. And they complain about not being in the issue enough. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> and Franklin's like, it says here that I was created in 1968. I'm older than everyone working on this book. Why aren't I in this book? <laughs> and John Hickman's like, be quiet. It's just... <laughs> like, I've I never loved... seen a writer have dialogue with their characters in the, the afterwards. That is awesome. I loved when Reed is like, can you believe you have a little boy who is? And then Sue was like, shut up. Like, that really made me smile. Like, we're not allowed to say how old the little boy is. Are you kidding me? Are you crazy? <laughs> He's like, what? You look great for someone who's... And then, you know, she she force slaps him. <laughs> um, gosh, I don't know. Because I, I know exactly which ones I'm most excited for. You know, I'm sure the Annihilation Wave is fine. Don't need to worry about that. Um, I'm sure Doom won't be big. I'm also really positive that, like, you know, Franklin's show from the future doesn't matter at all. Um, no. But I'm really interested in the kids not... The, just Franklin and Valeria, but also the other kids that are at that birthday party because a lot of them come into play later in um, Future Foundation. And I'm excited to see how you guys react to them because this is going to be the first time that I know for sure, Lexi, you've read some of them. We get a lot of Power Pack characters. Um, it's it's going to be fun. So that's that's my little one that I'm excited for. I always love the Powers kids. They're so great. <laughs> I remember I bought someone's comic collection from them when I was in high school. Like this old, basically an old man died and then his son was like, I don't want these. And so I saw on like <laughs> eBay, basically buy me like a classified section. I was like mm-hmm. thousands of comics, $100. And I was like, me. <laughs> and I sorted through and the guy had an entire original run of power pack. Wow. Like the whole Whoa. thing. That's and sick. It was sick. I've sold I'm... all my single issues, so I don't have them anymore. But no! What are you doing? I'm like, I'm the most of keys. I'm like, what'd you do? So while Dallas was on oh his mission, God. we moved. And so we we're like, what are we going to do with all these goddamn books? And so all of us non book believers put them on the back <laughs> of a four wheeler and then dropped them down oh, a driveway and they all splattered into the woods. And we're all like, oh, I hope those weren't important. And we're all running through and picking them up out of the mud. So they were all those. they were all bagged and boarded. So yes, there's were, your PSA. Okay, bag and board all okay. your books, people. Because <laughs> your silly little siblings will put them on a four wheeler and then drive down the garage. It's like dropping right. a body. You gotta respect it. <laughs> yeah. But Evan, were you just about to admit to being a really big Power Pack stand? Yes, yeah, no, Power about Pack to was like one of my first comic. Like I, so really? growing up, my first comics was like Fantastic Four and Spider Man, just like everyone else. But then, like when I started picking up my own comics from the store and everything, Power Pack was one of the first ones I picked up. That and Runaways. So I've been a huge Power Pack and Runaways, like the Lowe's key fan. I never talk about them because uh, I'm always just like one. They don't really have anything going on right now, so there's not much to say. <laughs> and two, like, uh, they're kind of like the, the two groups I kind of want to gatekeep a little bit in the sense of, like, they don't need any more fans. Like, they're not coming back anyway, so let me just have this thing where people aren't making it weird. So it's also fine that I'm a Runaways and Power Pack fan, or convenient, I guess, at the time, because uh, 
Julie Powers and Carolina or Carolina like date at mm-hmm. one point. So yeah. and then that gets ruined for no reason whatsoever. They got done dirty. They got done they got so done fucking so dirty. dirty. I was like, mad. Like I actually like uh, Rainbow Rowell's uh, Runaway Run, but mm-hmm. I don't understand why they broke them up that way. I was, That's one I was of the- devastated. That's one of the times where it's like the popular ship should not win because it yeah. has to ruin this good thing we already have and it makes no fucking sense. Absolutely yeah. none. <laughs> yeah. Also, it makes no sense because like I thought we were talking about Runaways now, but also it didn't make any sense because Nico's entire arc in that or like their relationship in the first like the original Runaways run mm-hmm. was that Nico and Carolina are not good for each other and no. also just it doesn't make much sense. Like besides them just knowing each other and both being like bi and gay, so. I don't know. Carol- Carolina and all of her like uh, partners, like Zavin. Uh, is that the name? Zavin? Zavin? Zavin, yeah. yeah. Zavin, they always get screwed. So They always I'm, get I'm, screwed. Yeah. Always. Every single time. I'm still mad about Zavin. So yeah. fucking mad about Zavin. Literally, Never not be mad about Zavin. Send to space. Send to space Jesus with Christ. the other trans characters. Go. Yeah. All of you get sent to the fucking Andromeda yeah. Galaxy. Them and Sarah, right? <laughs> your home now. Like, holy shit. And last time we saw Zavin was last year in one panel. And I was like, let's go! And then just quiet. Crickets again. <laughs> Goodbye. Adios. Yeah. That was such a cool design, too, just to bring them back yeah. like that. It looks sick. I was like, damn. So, yo, Hickman, Gillen, if one of you are listening, please, you're my last hope. <laughs> for both the Power Pack and Runaways and Zavin. Like, for all of them. For every character I like. Redpool, somebody help me here. I'm thinking I'm on my knees. <laughs> I just want Zavin and Sarah to come back on the same ship together. <laughs> yeah. Like, we, we exist again. Thank you. Here's, here's my promise to you, dear listeners. Tr- here's my promise to you, true believers. If I ever get on a Marvel book, I'm bringing back Gwenpool. I'm bringing back Zavin. I'm bringing back uh, Julie Powers and Carolina. Maybe. I don't know how that's actually going to work out. Uh, I'll, I'll listen to the fans on that one. But they're coming back, baby. I'm not letting it go. All right, that was my rant. I'm excited I'm, when Anne makes us read Runaways so I can understand anything you just said. Oh, yeah. I don't know if Runaways aged well at all. <laughs> oh, probably. It's probably they, got some bumps. Yeah, they probably said the R word a lot now that I think about it. Because they were like on the edgy side of things. So I don't I don't know about that. Oh, and but, it's um, it's BKV, so we'll see. Yeah, it's BKV around like the Y time. So He's my guy, knows. but... <laughs> You might actually see him grow as a person throughout this run. We that's we've seen him grow over the decades. It they yeah. they get better. Yeah. Times change for the better. <laughs> he is I'm someone who knows how to exactly be five percent better than exactly how he is right now, and so yeah. it always <laughs> looks bad Kirkman. in hindsight. Yeah. Yeah. I'll to him. Him and Kirkman especially they they'll do like very problematic things, and later be like, "Yeah, we fucked up. Like we're we're working on it." So here's firepower. The most safe cookie cutter book we can give you it's very good i love firepower but man is it safe i love it firepower is so good <laughs> it's super safe kids are just like dad i have an issue and i'm angry let's talk about it son <laughs> okay that was two panels <laughs> we're done with that that dad, arc's over. I hate, dad i hate <laughs> you that is hurtful phrasing you're right dad i'm so sorry i apologize father figure let's discuss this over tea I'm glad we said this conversation. We're better than ever. Let's continue on with the story now. That was Thanks. one page. One page. Thank goodness we didn't use our fists. <laughs> we could have okay. fought and killed somebody or someone could have got hurt. There could be consequences to our <laughs> actions, but nope. <laughs> Can you be- could you imagine the long-term ramifications of our emotional fallout? Pshaw. <laughs> <laughs> Truly said it dubiously, Father. <laughs> Not You're to pull us back on the runaways for a second, but I pulled up the first <laughs> issue. I'm going to give you a guess. You get to give me a number. How many, not pages, 
but panels until the first R word drop. Holy shit, two. <laughs> it's a little more generous than that. It's okay. four. Four. Holy <laughs> the, shit. The fourth panel in this book, and it's Captain America saying it too. So you know, it tracks. Damn. I love it. Oh, I remember. Good. I remember how that begins now. Okay. Yeah, and then oh, and then on the next page, Sue Storm cleavage all the way down. She's zippers down. It's it's a crazy a start crazy to that time. book. Oh yeah. <laughs> To all you kids that weren't conscious in 2004, it was a different world. Oh, good news. Oh. Page two, Daredevil calls him out, says that's not cool for you to say that. But then Daredevil also says it again, so you know. Yeah. <laughs> he, he tried. Good comedy. He, little confused, but he's got the spirit. <laughs> Man, 2004. Imagine being born after 2001, when the world yeah. changed. <laughs> not me. 2000, baby. <laughs> Wait, what happened in 2001? Anyways, um, my favorite city is the fish people. I was going to say that too. so funny. I love them. It's like the most boring of the cities. I'm just like, damn, this is so good. <laughs> it's so interesting. It's, it's got the far sector shit where it's like, it's three different species who do different things living together in harmony. And it's such a good concept that Hickman's like, that's a thing. Do with that what you want. I'm not going to expand on it. <laughs> they just exist. I like the more right people the best. That's the coolest design. Um, I didn't see any crab people except for the one on like the, the one who's like, trust me, there are crab people here. <laughs> I swear to you, we're here. I don't know where to go after that. That. It's a good setup to the rest of the run, and I'm excited to see what you guys think as we go. Mm-hmm. I think maybe if we could spend like t- 10 minutes before we get into our listener question, talking a little bit more about the Dark Rain story arc, because I do feel yes. like a lot of what we did this time was set up and character work, and it was really fun, but we can't really talk about like arcs. Whereas in that mini series, I do feel like everybody got to do something cool. We got to see what they were up to, and it was a really fun concept. So do we want to? break that down a little bit so absolutely listener if you didn't haven't gotten to read the storyline the bridge from dark rain fantastic four it's a five issue mini series from jonathan hickman and da, 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 sean chen and lorenzo ruggiero and john rock on artwork there and it's super fun it's basically we get to see read create the bridge to all realities we get to see him use it and then because of shenanigans from norman osborn everybody all the adults get pulled into it so reed is hopping around learning what he can about the universe the other fantastic four are getting launched through time and dimensions to learn about themselves and just kind of have like a classic time displaced fun story And the kids then have to defend the Baxter building from Norman Osborn and the Thunderbolts. So like everybody, the whole cast has something going on. And I think it's a really fun prelude, not only to the characterization that we're going to see for all these characters, but the tone of the story as well. It's like it's a five issue microcosm of everything that I want to talk about. So what did we think of Dark Rain Fantastic Four? Also, shout out to Doug from... The YouTube channel for every kind of geek. He's the one that, that told me to make sure we read this first. He's like, not a lot of people start with the bridge. You got to start with the bridge. 
I promise you it's worth starting with the bridge. And I was like, all right, all right, all right. I'll start with the bridge. <laughs> and it was worth it. Uh, good guy, that dog. I like him. I'm fond of him. Yes. <laughs> uh, we love Doug. <laughs> oh, no, you kind of hesitated I, there. No, I love Doug. He let, me, he let me voice uh, Dr. Doom at one point. So. And Luke Cage. So. He's the best. Can't complain. Um, <laughs> also really nice. Really, really and nice. And handsome. Ooh, sorry. Somebody wants to do some more voiceovers, I think. <laughs> what? No, me? What? what? I I would have more nice things to say if someone had sent me a maggot action figure, but that's, you know, that's neither here nor there. Um, honestly, I like that we had a whole little mini series de- devoted to the fact that Mark Miller is inevitable and um, you, can't st- <laughs> you can't stop Civil War. <laughs> that's that was that was my first main takeaway from that one yeah i do like that this mini is just like sorry about that i'm I'm different now this is how i'm supposed to be he's like uh sorry about that but i guess it was the only thing that could have happened you know everything else is kind of crazier (laughs) i guess we just gotta deal with the fact goliath's dead oh well (laughs) because tony and steve aren't gonna bang so that all options are shoot shot. So I thought it was really interesting to set up going into his main series with Reed having this idea that the only way things can get done is if he does them by himself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's explored a little bit in the main series, but reading this mini before that, you really understand where he's at emotionally yeah. with his issues with Sue in that first three issue arc. Like very interesting conclusion to come to like, that sets up nicely for the council of reeds. Like we're, we can only trust ourselves. So let's yeah. hang out with 40 versions of ourselves. Hell yeah. Yeah, bro. All high fiving, kissing, you know, regular dude shit. <laughs> Just boys being boys. Dudes being dudes. Right. That's, how, that's what dudes do, right? That's what we do. Mm-hmm. I, I, All right, fuck, yeah. I know. Yeah, you want to know. Dallas would know. Am I right? <laughs> Just classic guy thing. Just kissing each other on the mouth. Five feet apart of the hot tub? I don't think so. Get over here and straddle me. How you been? Get here. Ooh, are those the bubbles talking? <laughs> Five inch inseam is too much, my friend. We don't need scrub trucks. What are you talking about? Come on. <laughs> All right, who's trying to get in the hot tub naked? Welcome Woo! to Boys Night. <laughs> yeah, so that's what's happening at the Council of Reeds. Yeah. <laughs> I love you guys. We're <laughs> right. Um, Yeah, it's interesting because it, I feel like it's a good segue between what we saw Reed being in like the early 2000s where he's like, listen, I'm going to do, I'm going to fix this. And it's going to make things a lot worse, but I need to fix this. And he does that several times. And then it continues through Civil War and Secret Invasion. And I like that the bridge, the first moment where he stepped back, he's like, okay, I'm going to take myself out of this equation for a second. I'm going to look at what's going on. And I need to know if this is a me thing or if everyone else is having the same issue. Mm-hmm. And I like that <laughs> the, the, the takeaway he got from that was like, you know what? I wouldn't have to fix these stupid issues if there were no stupid issues to fix. So... And then he gets into his solve everything phase and he's like, you know what? 
maybe I should just stay out of it. <laughs> I should just be with my family, focus on that part of me. And um, yeah, maybe I can stop doing war crimes because, you know, taking the souls of Dr. Dooms from the multiverse is kind of ick. <laughs> and we <Yeah>. should... <laughs> that was crazy and probably will never come up again. But that was... No. That was definitely insane. But also seeding, like, he's at the heart of something very, very big. Yeah. I was like, 15 years from now? <laughs> In real people time? What the hell? Crazy. Just, I don't know. Having not read the middle of this, but now just like the beginning and having read and loved the end so much, I was like, how do you get all this set up? How did he do it? Mr. Hickman, look me in the eyes. How did you do this? Also, Jonathan Hickman's story, I met him at New York Comic Con, and the person in front of me was obviously a big Hickman fan because they pulled out like some old, I don't even know what issue it was, some old issue of of Avengers, and was like, hey, I've read somewhere that this is your favorite comic of all time, like, would you sign my copy of it? And Jonathan Hickman's like, oh my gosh, yes, and he he signed it, and then he leans over to Mike Del Mundo, who was sitting by him, and he's like, yo, you got a pirate this issue? Craziest thing you've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, this one's kind of hard to come by. So like, go to read comics online. Like, check this one out. I was just like, Jonathan Hickman, yo ho ho. It made me laugh. Power to the people. <laughs> Reads little adventures there are fun. Um, Lexi, what did you think about what the rest of the Fantastic Four was going through while this was happening? Because we got the kids doing like kind of a reverse diehard in the building when Norman Osborn's like, I'm going to come and arrest your parents. And then the rest of the Fantastic Four are kind of caught in like the, the, um, the undertow of everything that Reed's doing. And they're going through this weird time adventure where they keep encountering different versions of themselves. So what did you, what did you think about that? I thought it was so fun. I mean, we definitely got to see different periods in time, which was really fun. Like we get to see like kind of a a knights and queens era. We got like a pirate era. We got old west era. And then it kind of ends in like a World War II type era. And I thought it was all super fun to see how their different characters fit into those eras. Like I just have to say Mm -hmm. um, Ben's (laughs) – like aristocrat outfit that he had on when he was like tis clubber in time i was like this is the funniest shit i've ever seen in my life <laughs> i was like mm-hmm. i want that framed on my wall him saying that right there that panel it was so funny or um i already said i love sue's old west outfit just leave that there but yeah. um mm-hmm. i just thought it was so fun to see like oh well looks like reed just reset the machine where are they gonna be now like what are they doing and it just kind of was so fun to see all the different moving pieces throughout that entire chunk. Um, because, yeah, they were all doing such different things all at once. And it just was super fun. I feel like it was a really great way to kick off where we read. So I'm glad that's where we started. Mm-hmm. I liked it as a nice, like, offset from what Reed is doing. Because Reed yeah. is basically just going through, like, the multiversal exposition of this is all the reasons why Civil War happened the way it had to happen. And while he's just doing that and he's looking through basically like the universal guidebook, we get to have them as the B story to do something fun. And I like that a lot. And I also like getting to see them in all these different positions, like, you know, pirates, air pirates, by the way, which is really fucking cool. I love those ships. And um, in the Old West, I love taking characters out of the net normal environment and putting them in these um, very genre situations. I'm sure that will never happen again in this run. Um, 
<laughs> Never. Um, but it's it was a lot of fun and getting to see Val and Franklin on their own and the big like, oh shoot moment when Franklin turns a toy gun into a real gun. Yeah. yeah. That, was- that was a good twist. I think it's also interesting that this is the first story we get with Hickman on the Fantastic Four that leads into Secret Wars. And not only is it doing like a bunch of multiversal stuff and setting that up, like at the seeds of the first story, but we also get our first diagram with like, I'm showing you guys, but we got like the Marvel family and everything. Mm-hmm. Like we're going to see a lot more of that as we get closer and closer to Secret War. And it's going to get more and more out of hand and then it's going to get even worse during the Krakoa era of X-Men. <laughs> so it's very interesting that all these little things are just already mm-hmm. being like kind of set up. And I can't tell if it's Hickman being like, yeah, I'm going to build off of this. Or it's Hickman going like, this is just cool looking. I kind of like the vibe of this. I I like it when it's just a vibe and I don't have to read big old data pages in the middle of my story. That's pretty neat. Yo, there but, were but data pages too. in this. Yeah, the end, at least, listen, at least they were, most of them were at the end. And it's yeah. like, okay, the comic's over. I can decompress now and I can read a little bit of just afterwards that's yeah. fine but when it's like i'm three pages in and you got you, i have to read an email now what the fuck is this? <laughs> it was interesting though that those were like data pages that valve was like taking notes of yeah valve's so. little notes i was like oh yeah. i love that i love that she knows so. that her mom's in love with namor <laughs> yeah you won't dissect that <laughs> sue's just got like a picture of namor on her desk and <laughs> reads like what is that there she's like you've got your things i've got mine yeah, we all got things going on, man. It's it's There's funny you think Reed would notice. <laughs> <laughs> so, if no one else has any other comments, do we want to switch up into our listener question? Yes, yeah. the last comment I had was, did you guys know Stan Lee was in one of those issues? Yeah. Was he the guy that told him to jump out of the plane? No, no he was just a Spider-Man. <laughs> Wait, who's oh, that? okay. Who's I was thinking, it's just not like I have the mustache. I just went on autopilot. <laughs> No, yeah, he was the the other Spider-Man, the fake Spider-Man. Shoot, I could go back and check that out. Yeah, it's like the last page, I think. So, little fun thing. Yeah, it made me smile. Yeah. Uh, or, yeah, hopefully it was Stanley. It could have been their mailman, I guess, now that I think about it. But I think their mailman is also Stanley. I so, think, yeah, yes, the answer but is, no. <laughs> the answer is just yes. <laughs> um, before we move on, Anne, as our mm-hmm. correspondent on all female characters, what did you think of Sue in this part that we read so far? I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty neutral so far. I think, I think she hasn't had a lot to do to shine. I like that she had a moment in the the fish issue, um, but in terms of character work, Reed, I feel like is the only one of the four that's had anything really significant happen yet. And I know that at least Ben and Johnny will have pretty equivalent moments later in the run. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what I've what I missed with Sue going through. So we'll 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 see. I'm I'm happy with it. I'm not like upset. She hasn't been, you know, had moments taken from her like some of the other runs have. But she's for the moment she's like she's there. It's they feel like a pretty even playing ground. And then there's Reed, who's a little bit above them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she definitely feels a part of the team instead of the Fantastic Three and also the girl. Mm-hmm. They which, feel like the Fantastic Four, which is a yeah. big step up from a big step. Ones. Yeah, it is kind of crazy that Sue got one issue dedicated kind of to her, and we're always just like, yeah, so that's improvement from the other runs. 
So that's not, maybe not the best sign, but, <laughs> but she does get to do a lot of cool stuff closer to Secret Wars, I remember. I can't remember. I also can't remember what she gets to do during the Hickman run. So I'm very mm-hmm. curious about that. I'm, I'm like interested that. in future foundation and because I don't remember her at all in that run. So yeah. we'll we'll have some re-exploring to do together. It'll be fun. But It'll be fun. We have one listener question. If you send in a question and we haven't read it off yet, it is because it does not fall within what we read so far. So we'll do a better job of posting what sections we're reading. But again, like I said at the top, we're going to be going one complete collection through at a time. So next time we'll be doing Fantastic Four by Jonathan Hickman, complete collection number two, if you want to know what we're reading. But so we have a question from Eduardo Perez Rubio, who says, Evening, partners. Hope y'all are having a rootin' tootin' new year. I've got one question for y'all. Dear old Johnny Boy is quite the serious writer. Not the initial pitch for an F. Not my initial pitch for an FF writer. What's the thing that would make him manage to bring his own style to FF, but have it feel like FF? Sincerely, Ed. It's like, what do you feel like Hickman brought that was distinctly Hickman that still made it feel like the Fantastic Four? I think (laughs) his ability to just carve out a unique corner in the the Marvel universe. Cause every time he writes, he likes to be like, this is my space. I'm going to dominate specifically this space. I'm going to do a good job bringing in some old weird stuff and some new weird stuff and just mingle that together. <clears throat> and for characters like the fantastic four, that's such a perfect fit. When Jonathan Hickman's idea of fun and weird is right up their alley. And he gives them plenty of great worlds to play in and doesn't a great job executing that level of just like amazement and awe when you look at these places for the first time it's it, it captures that sense of adventure i think i would definitely agree i think john one of jonathan hickman's greatest strengths is being able to establish appropriate scale and so the fantastic four existing within the large scale story that jonathan hickman likes to create feels very appropriate for them they are people who exist on the forefronts of the Marvel universe. And this run so far for me has been expanding out where that forefront is so they can truly be explorers of the unknown. Yeah. I think Jonathan Hickman's greatest strength is always in his long-term planning and world building. And just from the early issues, we can already see that's the case again. I think what really defines his fantastic four run over and I think his Avengers run over like his crack core era for me, again, it's just the characterization that he puts in these characters. And I think it's because there is a focus, an intentional focus with the Fantastic Four this time to say, this is a family book first and foremost, and they're going on uh, space exploring stuff. So where we go from there. So his, his ability to balance between those two, like giant scope and very good characterization and very like, unique characterization like each character that's one of my biggest like comic book reading irks is when i'm reading something i'm like i cannot if i close my eyes and someone read these out loud i couldn't tell if this was superman batman or wonder woman or i couldn't tell if this is captain america iron man or thor talking so he's very good at establishing the voice you read the book and you go that's the thing that's reed that's sue that's val that's franklin that's johnny they're all very distinct um so i think that's really cool and he does a great job with that in this run 
I agree. Lex, what do you feel like Jonathan Hickman brought to this book that you appreciated the most? I really feel like for me so far, since I don't have a ton of depth with the Fantastic Four yet, I feel like everyone kind of started to get their footing in the story. I feel like we kind of talked about it earlier, how in the past, like Sue's never really been a character, never had the attention that she deserved. And I feel like since we're so early into the run right now, everybody's relatively on the same playing ground, which I really like a lot. And of course, like we just got Reed's first little arc. So like that makes sense, but I'm excited to see where all these characters go because I really do like the Krakoa era of the X-Men. I really liked reading those books. I liked seeing Hickman through those. So I'm pretty excited when Dallas told us that we were doing this with Hickman. I, I that's one of the names I recognize. So I'm pretty excited. Yeah, we're definitely a pro Jonathan Hickman podcast. We do like that guy. Indeed. I also, he has super long hair right now, which made me happy as well. Okay. I was like, that guy's got shoulder length gray hair. That is cool. <laughs> Don't see that very often. But that brings us to the end of our first episode covering Jonathan Hickman's Fantastic Four. We'll be back first week of every month. We will be back in February to talk about our second chunk of Fantastic Four, which right now we'll tell you is Fantastic Four issues 579 through 588 and FF issues one through five. So if you can get those read before the first week of February, (laughs) dear listener, and send in your questions, that would be awesome. Very, very excited. Indeed. All right, ready to roll us out, Lex? All right, folks, without further ado, if you like the show and want to hear more from us throughout the week, please go follow us on our Twitter account at CMX Collective or our TikTok account at The Comics Collective, or you can find each of us at our personal Twitters at Dallas underscore comics, at Ann Comics, and at Lexi Lou Comics. Evan, where can the people find you? You can find me on the Twitter.com at Evan Reads Comics. You can find me on TikTok at Evan uh von doom you could follow my podcast what's next podcast where every month we go over the week the monthly solicitations for different comic book publications and what's coming out including marvel dc yada 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 um and also just a quick shout out i want to shout out uh both owen likes comics and for every kind of geek they have a lot Mm -hmm. of fantastic four comic or not a lot but they have a few uh, fantastic four videos on their youtube channels where they go over some of the stuff we're gonna be going over so if you're interested in what we're talking about you're 100 gonna love their voice because they're very smart people and they have a lot more planning uh, etiquette than we do. So go, definitely go check them out. They put a lot of work into their videos, and I think it's worth your time to check them out. Yeah, definitely good friends of the pod that you mm-hmm. should go support. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you enjoyed the show and want to show your support, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening and give us a five-star review, and we will read it off on the show. Also, if you'd like to give some love for our new banner art that we debuted with this episode, Go check out <laughs> Eli Comic Art on Twitter and tell him how great of a job he did. We are super in love with this new artwork on the show and we appreciate him and hope you all go show him some love. Oh, absolutely. And finally, feel free to email us with your questions or comments for the show at thecomicscollective at gmail.com. It's a new year. It's going to be same show, new year, but please let us know what do you want to see this year? What can we do better? What do you want to see us focus on? We would love to hear your thoughts. And yeah, we're always looking for ideas. So 
Absolutely. All right. And everybody, next week is Anne's pick of the month. So Anne, what are we going to read? Uh, we are going to start the year off in a very magical way. We are going to go ahead and read Zatanna by Paul Dini, Lila Sturgis, and a bunch of other really, really talented people. It's going to be so, so fun. It's one of my favorite DC runs ever. We're going to get really in some really fun and creative magic. So I'm excited. Heck yeah. Well, thanks everybody. We'll see you next week. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.